Hey guys, in this podcast, I'm talking about selective mutism, how to spot it, what's it all about and everything. So I hope you enjoy this. And remember, support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash the Aspie world. Okay, so selective mutism. Let's talk about what it is. So selective mutism is like the inability to uh, socially communicate in social situations where you should be expected to speak. For example, if you're at like a birthday party or you're in a, uh, a group in school, then people will want you to join in in the conversation or be part of a social group that are, you know, putting stories back and forth and putting their input in. Now, selective mutism is where you will have an inability to do that for a number of reasons. You know, there may be a hundred causes, but the fact of the matter is that you aren't able to contribute towards that social situation at that time. It's also characterized by the fact that it's not caused by a language barrier. So it's not, you know, it's not that somebody is speaking in Portuguese and then you're speaking in English and then you can't join in the conversation. It is always to do with the fact that you have the inability to talk when you're in a social situation. It's not to do with language uh, and it should never be confused with a language barrier issue. And it also isn't to do with any like profound disability where you won't be able to talk physically or, or, or mentally. There's, you know, it's nothing to do with that. It's to do with a deep rooted social anxiety issue. So the origins of it for, for manifesting in the fact that you're unable to speak in, in a party. So for instance, let me give an example. Touching on my personal experience in my life, this is an example of how it, it is for me. When I am at home or when I'm with like, um, you know, my best friend or my cousin, like we could talk for hours about music and UFOs and like just cool, crazy stuff. And I, I love talking about the things that I'm really interested in. But then when I go to my girlfriend's parent house where um, her, her mum lives and they have like parties for people's birthdays and stuff, we're all like sitting about and everyone's like having this huge discussion and debate and there's about eight people there so there's like eight people versus just like two people like me and another person and I just kind of freeze up I can't talk I don't know it almost like drains me it kind of zaps how like the way it feels it kind of just zaps it out of me I zap the energy to actually talk to anybody and I'm just unable to do that and this isn't the first time I've experienced this I experienced this when I was in college where a technical college here in the UK uh, which is still high school in America age um, and I was around other peers who were kind of like had ADHD and hyperactive as me but by being around more than two or three of them, I became like unable to speak in certain situations and I just felt drained. Like it was just, I just, it physically drained me. Now, school is one of the most common places that you're going to be able to spot this when you're, so you say your child starts school, it's thrusting them into a social situation that they have never been in before. And this is very interesting because this uh, brings across a situation that presents itself very social and if you've never been a social person before this is going to be something that you're like oh my goodness what on earth is going on here and it could cause social anxiety to uh, you know show itself and then also selective mutism so that's how you can categorize it uh, but it also can um, present itself in working environments it's not to say that just children have it let's be very clear here it's not just a child thing it could be an older generational thing it could be uh, something that develops later on in life when you develop a uh, an anxiety or a phobia and again this comes from the fact that it has a deep-rooted issue the issue is caused by a uh, an intense phobia or fear of social anxiety or social interaction um one of the interesting things as well is that if you have it as a child, a lot of people grow out of having it, which is quite
quite interesting. I didn't really think about this before, but people who've had a, you know selective mutism as a kid, as they grow older, they kind of rock out of it a little bit, which is very interesting and fascinating. It also is very notable when it interferes. Okay, so we know that like if you're having issues in social circumstances and social situations, then it's going to be present. Like selective mutism is going to be present in those social situations. Now, another way that it can be present or you can notice it is that it interrupts educational functions and vocational functions. And what this means is that like, if you're in school or in work and, and you want to uh, communicate to your peers or your teacher or your boss and you have a huge issue about doing that, then this, it's going to interfere with that and it's going to stop you communicating with those people and it's going to cause upset and this is going to disrupt your life in a certain fashion. This is very, very interesting because this is one of the, the, the diagnostic criteria, which we'll, we're going to summary of in, in a few minutes again, but this is one of those criteria. And Another way that you can spot the fact that you know it's selective mutism and not something else is that it's present for at least a month or more. Now, all of these criteria and stuff are taken from the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic Criteria for Mental Health and Neurodevelopmental Issues uh, today's day and age. Um, this is how psychiatrists and neurologists and stuff diagnose certain conditions in people. Having the presence of selective mutism longer than one month would rule out any uh, ability for it to be classed as just shyness. Because look, people can be shy and you can like get overly shy with stuff, but if you're completely shy, you know, if you're just shy and you're completely shy, then shyness can kind of go away and you get to warm up to people. But selective mutism definitely needs therapy or a time of longer than one month to overcome it. Shyness kind of will go after a month. That's the idea of having that. So the diagnostic criteria for selective mutism is this, and I'll just read these out again, just so we have a summary here. So the first one is failure to talk in social situations where expected, that's number one. Number two is interrupt the educational slash vocational functions of your daily life. So again, you know, you find it hard to say, oh, I need help with my work, or I need help with uh, this project in school, or I need to speak to a teacher about my grades, blah, blah, blah it will, you know, show itself in that fact that you can't do that. You can't communicate to them people because you have that selective mutism. You're, you're mute for that period of time. And then the number three is it's present for longer than one month. Like I said, if you're, if it's, if it's longer than one month, it's becoming an issue. It's not just shyness, it's an issue. So if you if you can see those three things in order and those are, pres are present in, in order, then it, it's definitely selective mutism and not something else. Now, I just wanted to talk a little bit about selective mutism treatment. So, you know, it's okay, say, okay, I've got selective mutism and uh, or you know someone who's got selective mutism or you're watching this video and you already have selective mutism or your kid has it or whatever and you want to know what treatment's available. So there's a bunch of different like treatments available and therapies available for selective mutism. And I've just like pulled three uh, up here that I've known that I've been floating about the internet. And the first one is SCAT, which is a social communication anxiety treatment, which is kind of like the gold standard. I mean, think about it. This specifically targets social anxiety. And as we know from earlier on in the video, selective mutism is a direct result of having social anxiety and it becoming an intense fear or phobia of talking in social situations. So that would be, that's kind of like the gold standard. That's the one that everyone says like, that, that's the one that you should be taking to do that, which I find very, very interesting. Okay, so the second uh, selective mutism therapy I'll talk about here now is psychodynamic therapy. And this is basically, um, when it's in children, it's like play therapy. Kids can use play to communicate in a certain way rather than like, it's very clinical. If you sit down and ask somebody a question directly, they're going to be like, oh, uh, can you do this for me? Or how do you feel about that? And you may just like tense up and you may freeze and you may not be able to talk. Again, selective mutism kicks in and kicks you in the butt. But 
if you are using this uh, dynamic uh, therapy, the psychodynamic therapy, it's using play to get kids to then communicate certain things so that they're playing a character and then they're, they're, they're playing along and they can then communicate what they want to somebody. And this will help in turn, help them overcome that fear, that anxiety, that barrier that's stopping them talk, talking in social situations. Now, the third one that I've picked up here as treatment for selective mutism is behavioral therapy. Um, and this is quite interesting. So behavioral therapy is the, uh, the idea to reward positive behavior. That's basically like the bare principle of it. But the idea is that if you're if you're able to kind of like push through and try and talk a little bit in situations where you may uh, be unable to talk in those situations, like so say you're, you're, I don't know, in a party or, or you go with your parents to see uh, a group of family members and you have the inability to talk, but then you, you kind of force through a little bit of like nodding and gesturing and, and maybe saying yes or no, then this behavior is rewarded. You know, if you reward yourself after that behavior, then it will help train your brain to kind of be more open to those situations. It's kind of like a it's a very old kind of trick, but it, it definitely works. And I find this this is very good. I mean, positive reinforcement for behavior is always a good thing. But be careful of the therapy that you choose. Make sure that you choose the right one and that, you know, I'm, I'm not telling you to take any of these. I'm saying that, you know, go and look at them if you're wanting to get therapy for, you know, selective mutism. The choice is down to you to check that out. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit in this part of the video about like how do I know if I have selective mutism, right? So the interesting thing for me was that I didn't realize I was presenting selective mutism until somebody said it to me. I was doing a video with a girl called Charles Davis who has autism and we were doing a collaboration video together and it was all about, you know, autism in girls. Now she was talking about selective mutism and then when we were talking about it, it kind of made me think and reflect, oh my goodness, that's what I do and that's the things I do. So no one's ever said to me like, oh, you've got selective mutism because of this. But when you reflect on it, you go, oh my goodness, that's exactly what it is. So now like my occupational therapist and my therapist are like, oh yeah, that is selective mutism, but nobody ever figured to point it out to me in the first place. So I found that interesting. So I've written three things that uh, to let you know how you can identify selective mutism. Okay, so number one is selective mutism is part of social anxiety. Now, if you are suffering from social anxiety, then there is a huge possibility that you uh, could also suffer from selective mutism, okay? It's gonna present itself some way or other because I feel like it comes part and parcel with social anxiety. And I do believe that anybody who has social anxiety will display some form of selective mutism and this will be present within them as a person. Okay, so number two is selective mutism and autism. So for anybody who doesn't know, autism is a neurological condition that impacts the social and communicative part of a, a person's uh, brain and how they interact with the world around them socially and, and communicatively. Now, people with an autism spectrum condition obviously have uh, social anxiety and anxiety comorbidly in there as well as OCD and dyslexia and bipolar disorder, depression, stress, all these things are comorbid with an autism spectrum condition. But one of the most interesting things is that selective mutism is commonly associated with an autism spectrum condition. So if you already have an autism spectrum condition and you're experiencing things like I said, like you go to a family gathering or a party and you're not able to join in in the conversation, but it's not that lack of trying or not wanting to, you're just, uh-oh, I can't join in this conversation and I'm unable to speak, then it could be down to the fact that you have a selective mutism as part of your autism condition. Okay, so number three is selective mutism symptoms. Okay, so some of the symptoms of selective mutism, and I'll just read these out here, which I've, I've kind of made notes for, is overly anxious when talking in social situations that you do not want to talk. Like it's 
it's like you're, you're not comfortable talking. You have a fear of talking when you're around those people. And you, it could be, a, a, you know, the, the cause of it is, is, could be a number of things. But the fact of the matter is that you're, you can't talk because you have a fear of talking in front of those people. That's a huge symptom. That's like number one symptom. Okay, the second one is the inability to talk in a social situation. Um, and you kind of retreat back into yourself. So as you'd be like talking, blah, blah, blah with your friend, when you're you know experiencing selective mutism, you kind of, another symptom is going back into yourself and, and kind of like closing up a bit and not wanting to talk and not wanting to have that discussion out because it's something that is just... I don't know, you lose all the energy, you lose all the ability to do that and it just happens. You have the inability to talk in social situations. Now, I myself have definitely um, experienced all of these uh, over my time of, of, of just looking back and highlighting to myself what's, you know, social anxiety and do I have that and do, you know, does that come with selective mutism? And yeah, I've actually experienced those. 